welcome to Focused on Life, where we'll be laser focused on all things that have to do with defending human dignity, human rights, and yes, human life at every stage and phase of development. I am your host, Uju. And I am your other host, Matt. And we are thrilled to be here today. Hello, Matt. Hi, Uju. How are you doing? Oh, Matt, we have come to a great landmark within our podcast journey. What is that land? What's that landmark, Matt? (laughs) This is our 10th episode of Focus on Life podcast. I can't believe it. (laughs) I think one of my one of my colleagues at work, uh, Campaign Life, uh, just a few weeks ago mentioned that, you know, uh, he was kind of teasing me about, you know, that most podcasts don't ever make it to like episode five. So the <laughs> fact that you guys are already on 10 coming up is is a pretty big deal. So I think we're legitimate. Uh, I think we have cemented wait, our legacy so. in the podcast world. <laughs> with 10 but we're, definitely, we're definitely leaving our footprints, at least, uh, you know, as, as far as podcasts go. Because, <laughs> yeah, as you said, people don't make it beyond five. And I guess if you make it beyond five, that means you're here to stay, at least you're, for a while. You're here to stay. Well, at least we're going to be here to stay, hopefully, for as long yes. as we can. Uh, That's right. And, um, yeah, it's it's. It's great. It's been it's been fun, Uju. It's been fun doing this with you over the last. I'm few enjoying it. I mean, like this has been for me one of those things that you know I've really not minded. Like I've I've enjoyed it. You know, Matt. There are sometimes when you have to do these tasks, whether it's within the pro life movement or anything, where okay, this is very important. You have to do it, but then it's oh gosh, not again, right? So yeah. I have even had times when I've recorded things like videos for pro-life things, right? Where I've thought, I've been very tense about it. Um, Okay, I'm going to have to do this video today and I haven't looked forward to that thing. I want to do it, but it's it's a hard task for me. This one, on on the contrary, Matt, is one thing within my pro-life task that I think I've enjoyed doing very much. It's like having a telephone conversation with you uh, each time. And so it's it's really come easy. So I'll thank yeah. you for that. <laughs> and, and you know what? There's there's so much to talk about. It's, it's just it's really easy. It's really easy because I think we're both, like most people in the pro-life movement, we're, we get yeah. very passionate about these yeah. issues. True. <laughs> And uh, and we want to uh, share, you know, our thoughts with True. what's going on with the world. And, and hopefully a purpose of this podcast has been to inform and to, you know, inspire. And then just to maybe kind of send Encourage people, as encourage well, people. isn't it? That's yeah. Right. I, I thought the other day, Matt, this podcast, if we say that, okay, this is the the purpose, the th- the three top purposes of the focus on life while well, we're doing it. I just thought something, right? And I thought the three ends, right? And I thought, what is the three ends? To, to inform, to inspire, and to encourage. Doesn't That's that sound it. amazing? That's it. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it, it's been said before, but yes, I'll give you the credit for coming up. Yeah, with that. but give me the credit because this really just just came to my mind. And I thought I mean, the three <laughs> the three ends, the three ends, surely. You know, the third one has to be encouraged. But I think that the well, podcast has been good so far and for I me. Hope, yeah, for and me. I hope everyone listening has been encouraged. And, and thank yes. you uh, to all our listeners. Yes. You know, uh, we didn't really think many people would listen. But uh, mm-hmm. I just looked at the metrics the other day and we had, you know, a few thousand downloads already. So That's it's like great. pretty good. Pretty good. Yes, we're, we th- we're grateful. We're very grateful to you, our listeners. And please, please, please continue to listen, subscribe, share with your family and friends, especially over this next uh, this Christmas season when you maybe yes. might have some time off. Maybe you're driving to some Christmas parties, throw in the podcast, listen to it in the car. Uh, and uh, and yeah, and thank you again for all your support. And now, Uju, today yes. we have a very special guest. Very special. Very guest. special. Like too special. But... Too special. <laughs> This this is uh, a man that uh, I mean I have to, I'm a bit biased because uh, I've worked for him for the last ten years. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, but I I think uh, Uju, you've known him for about ten years as well. That's right. And um, so yeah, we have the one and only Jim Hughes. Jim Hughes will be our guest on today's podcast. And yes. uh, before we get to Jim, I'm just going to give a, a little bit of a rundown about who he is for those who don't know him. Um, I didn't write anything down, so I'm just going to kind of let this go freely. Yeah, you know him well enough. I know Matt. him well enough. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to say too many things because I don't want it to get to his head. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
And for those who know Jim, you know how you know how extremely humble this man is. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so Jim Hughes, uh, he uh, we call him the Pope of the pro life movement. Uh, he's been the president of Campaign Life Coalition for I think he was for about thirty five, almost forty years. Just mm-hmm. a few years ago, uh, he stepped down and now is uh, continues to work hard and is very much involved with Campaign Life Coalition in his new role as president emeritus. Uh, but he is also the vice president of the International Right to Life Federation. So he continues to be a very busy man trying to uh, proclaim the truth in today's world and to build up the pro-life movement here in Canada and around the world. Oh, Jim, it is so good to have you here on Focused on Life podcast. Welcome to our show, Jim. Uh, uh, thank you, Uju. <laughs> I, I've been looking forward to this for a long time, and uh, the, here at the home, they said I could only speak for a few minutes, so uh, yes, it's been a long time since I met you at that nightclub where you were dancing, and it's uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, oh you, are, you, are we doing a, is this, is this for real? Uh, Jim, uh, I think this is going to be, let's just keep this in, Jim. For those who don't know Jim, uh, that's not his real voice. Jim, it's good to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much. Jim. Good to be here. Good Jim, to be here. we're so grateful that you're here. I know, like, you're, you, I, I guess the voice, the impression you did is so that someone would think you're like 100 years old, you're like an oldie. No, absolutely. You are, you know, <laughs> you've been in the pro-life movement a long time, but I tell you something, you are such an inspiration to me um, from the time I met you back in 2014, not at a nightclub, not at a nightclub, Jim, but at the Spock conference. So it was the pro-life conference here in the UK uh, and how my life changed, of course, after I met you, because I consider you even sort of my father within the pro-life movement. So I'm grateful that you're here. And of course, I'm sure it's a great pleasure to be here as well. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a great pleasure to be here with you again, Uju. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, Jim, as I alluded before, I met you uh, almost 10 years ago now. And, and of course, of course, from the time I met you, even before I met you, I had heard about you. One of the pioneers of the pro-life movement, well, at least an early uh, pro-life activist in the, one, the Canadian pro-life movement, as well as the international pro-life movement as we know it today. So I would like to start from the very beginning, just to kind of ask you, how did you get into the pro-life movement? When did you get into the pro-life movement? What is your origin story with this fight that we find ourselves in? Well, first, the story starts at St. Michael's Hospital in Toronto, where I was born. My mother was there at the time, and I wanted to be close to her at the time of the birth and then uh, I got involved later on my mother was a great inspiration to me too she was widowed before I turned three and my young her sister was only a month old Mm -hmm. and she was the type of person that uh, really believed when God said uh, love me and love your neighbor and -hmm. she did that uh, into her 101st year when she uh, passed on she said to me in her hospital bed as she went in there uh, after having eye surgery, she said, you know, God has probably lost my address. I said, what? She said, yeah, my friends and relatives in in heaven must be saying, what happened to Mary Hughes? Did she go the other way? I said, (laughs) mom, you don't what? The next day she died. And so when I went to the hospital to, to see her in the early hours of the morning, I was able to say to her, well, I think God found your address. (laughs) <laughs> well, with 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 a, a situation like that that we had right off the bat with my dad dying before I turned three years of age, I learned a lot from her and her maiden sister who lived with us as well as an aging grandfather who was uh, he lived to be 93, mm-hmm. an old Irish guy. He told me all sorts of things like trust in God, all others pay cash and things like that that have stuck with me, you know. <laughs> But the the reality was that uh, because of her example, uh, it was very easy for me to reach out then when somebody came calling. And one yes. of the, on one of the occasions, my friend, my great friend, the late father, Ted Colleton, 
who was a missionary in Kenya for 30 years before the the president Jomo Kenyatta kicked him out uh, for standing up for all the missionaries. Um, mm. He said, I, "I need your help," and I said, "Oh no, not again." Whenever those are the terrible words I hear because I can't <laughs> say no ever. And so he said, "I want you to help me with this uh, election campaign." There's a man that lives on the road here, just up the road, and uh, and he's running for office. I said, well, where does he stand on it? Well, he's pro-life. And I thought, okay, so I got involved there. But that was after many years. I guess I joined the pro-life movement about 50 years ago. In 1973, mm -hmm. um, I had been elected by my parish, my Roman Catholic parish. And uh, I joined others from 26 other zones of the, of the Archdiocese of Toronto becoming part of the Archdiocesan Pastoral Council. And in 1973, Archbishop Philip Pocock, while I was chair, said to me, I, I want to withdraw Catholic charities from the United Way campaign. And I said, why do you want to do that? He said, they've decided to allow Planned Parenthood to come in. Hmm. And I said, what's wrong with Planned Parenthood? Sounds like a pretty nice name, Planned Parenthood. You want to have hmm. a child? No, he said, they're the world's largest abortion referral agency. So I said, oh, good Lord. And he said, how do you think the pastoral council will take it if I suggest this? I said, well, we were on a retreat up at uh, um, Regina Mundy Farm, north of Toronto. And I said, well, put it to them like you've told me about it, and we'll see what happens. And so he put it to them all, and they said, yes, 100% support. So I had said to him, what kind of support did you get from the priest council? Uh, yeah. excuse me, excuse me, your, your grace, what sort of support did you get from the priest council? So I realized that uh, it was the lay people that were behind them and were going to be supportive. So I asked about uh, a little bit about the issue, and he, he said that he was uh, inspired by the paintings of a Canadian or Ukrainian painter by the name of William Karelik. And around that time, Karelik had painted a um, a portrait of uh, Scarborough Centenary Hospital, which is now called something else. And there was the Rouge River just south of the hospital and all the dead babies floating down there, covered in blood and whatnot. And, and this inspired the Archbishop. And so we withdrew from uh, Catholic Charities, withdrew from the United Way campaign and started the, the Share Life campaign, which has been extremely successful over the years. So that's one of the things that inspired me. I also was inspired by a conference, the Tiniest Humans Conference, that was held in Toronto around the same time. It featured Dr. Jerome Lejeune and Professor mm. William Lyle. And between the two of them, one was uh, very much involved in uh, learning about the child in the womb beforehand. And he, he was fearful that uh, uh, people that promoted abortion were going to use that and, and it would be to our disadvantage. But uh, he he was uh, he was there joined by uh, Archbishop uh, uh, pardon me by Jerome Lejeune Professor yeah. Jerome Lejeune who along with John Paul the Great started the the uh, pro life Lejeune in the, in the Foundation Vatican. yeah right so uh, when uh, when the time came uh, my wife took me she was a nurse at the time at St Michael's Hospital in Toronto and uh, she took me to the showing. Uh, by Toronto Right to Life in the Canadian National Exhibition, which is like an exposition. Mm -hmm. And uh, there I saw the slide presentation of children before birth and whatnot, and the fact that they were killing them. And I said, they can't do that. And she said, you can do it right up until, until birth. And I thought, wow. So the next year, I was one of the ones that was running the slide presentation at the right. CNE, the Canadian National Exhibition. Anyway, uh, I, that, then they came to me in 1978 and said, there's a new organization that started in Winnipeg, Manitoba on March the 20, May the 25th, 1978. It's called Campaign Life. And they're going to work at the uh, political arena of the pro-life movement and see if something can be done there. So the first meeting was held in Toronto on October 7th, I think it was, 1978. And I was there with about maybe 200 people, I guess. And um, it was the Bazillion Fathers uh, um, Seminary. And I got involved. And then the next thing was uh, 
my wife said, why don't you take a couple of years off from your fundraising business and help? And I said, I don't know anything. What I'm, I, I, I'm not a doctor or whatever. She said, you could do it. You're an organizer. I mm-hmm. said, okay. So I got involved and then I became the uh, chairman of Toronto and then I became the president of Campaign Life Canada. And then in 1986, I think it was, we joined with the another organization, Coalition for the Protection of Human Life, and we became Campaign Life Coalition. And then over the course, we we started off with 200 people on a mailing list, and I asked the 200 people for their Christmas card list, because back then, almost everybody sent Christmas cards. So, and so the 200 expanded to 8,000, and then continued to grow from there, and we started <laughs> a pro-life newspaper, the interim, newspaper which is now over 35 years old i guess no it's 40 years old this year 1983 it started yeah so it's 40 <laughs> years old. some people <laughs> some people at and that age started, eh? <laughs> yeah and then we started lifesite news after that and that's been going for 35 to 25 i can't even remember now 25 years i guess and then I got the call from Dr. Jack Wilkie. Uh, he was the president of the National Right to Life in the United States. And uh, he was in, started, he had started the International Right to Life Federation. And at the UN meetings, he had uh, uh, Peter Smith and uh, Gene Head there representing the uh, International Right to Life Federation. And he called on me to... Uh, to become part of it from Canada. And, and I uh, sent them off to the Alliance for Life, which was the umbrella group for all the educational groups in the country, which doesn't exist anymore. And okay. then after they d- decided that this was not their cup of tea, uh, they they called, contacted Jack and he called me and said, I want you to come on representing Campaign Life Coalition on the international stage. And so, I thought about it and said, yes, okay. But then we got a strange call. It came from Pope John Paul the Great, Hmm. uh, encouraging us to get involved at the United Nations. And I said, well, wait a minute. We're not a Catholic organization. We're a pro-life organization with people from all kinds of different church backgrounds and none. And so we got involved then at the uh, the Cairo uh, conference. And uh, two of our uh, employees went there. Um, they went to New York for meetings in uh, at the UN, and then they went off to Cairo, Copenhagen, Beijing, Istanbul, Rome, Lisbon, and all these other conferences. Right. Uh, one one person was a math teacher at a local collegiate who became a priest, and he's still active today. And the other one was a former Canadian diplomat who was an acting. Uh, um, ambassador in Haiti and different places. And so the two of them went off and, uh, and uh, went to uh, these various conferences and then came back and reported on what was happening. And we then told the leaders of all the, the church groups across Canada uh, all about this. And most of them responded by saying, Oh, um, uh, you know, that's crazy. And the Pope says, what? He see, I said, he's fearful that, that they want more than two genders and they want abortion to be an international human right. And they mm-hmm. said, mm-hmm, okay. That, that they didn't believe a word. Now we've got people demanding whatever for, yeah. for, for genders and still demanding that uh, abortion be an uh, in, in international human right. Yeah. The, the premier, the, the prime minister of the country wrote to me one day or wrote to, to everybody one day and said that abortion was a right and it was in, enshrined in the new Charter of Rights and Freedoms that his father, a, a former prime minister, had brought in. And I wrote to him and I said, absolutely not. Your father right. said he wouldn't he wouldn't say a word on this issue because the country was divided on it. But this man has been a total disaster. He's on on TV crying about the children being killed in Gaza, which is really a terrible thing that's happening sure. to those children. But yeah. at the same time, he's in, he's responsible for a hundred thousand deaths by abortion in Canada and sending millions of dollars to Africa 
A hundred thousand every year, Jane. It's not like a hundred thousand only. I mean, Trudeau has sat over. Uh, I'd say like indirectly responsible for for millions of abortions from what is happening in Canada, what has been happening while he has been prime minister, as well as the international uh, funding that he has done of abortion. So, <laughs> yeah, oh well, but, uh, Jim, honestly, you you're dropping so much gold. I think I I'm gonna have to give you a little bit of a heartbreak there because the thing is, if we you're so you're so full of years of pro life activism that. I know you can talk about it without, you know, nonstop for the next three or four hours. We know oh, that. No, I know. <laughs> I have to stop for my lunch at the home here. <laughs> Jim, honestly, you're so full of years. And it's the one thing that we stand in awe of you, that you have a story for every single thing that has to do with the pro-life movement. So it's not like, Uju, you Uju, know... try, try working with the guy every day. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you're so lucky you've got to walk yeah, with Jim. No, like, no, it's true. It's honestly. true. I mean, you know, yeah. you hear we've heard the folks at CLC over the you know the last 40 years that have come and gone and those who have stayed, and we've heard so many stories, and um it seems like um they never get old, and there's always like gold. There's always something. There's always some gold in all these stories and all the conversations that Jim you've had with with anyone from prime ministers to popes to saints to living saints to yeah. uh, abortionists, active yes. abortionists who were unrepentant at the time, uh, to abortionists who have converted and become pro-life, sure. uh, you've you've spoken to people from all walks of life, and um, and it's been pretty awesome to have you, you know, as as the pope of the pro-life movement here in Canada, um, and as your own trainer, man. Like you got to be trained by by jim himself right like jim brought you yeah you like know, you, when you, know you what came jim, to the pro-life movement you, you, you know what jim separate. does you know what jim does uh yeah. he sits you in his office and says all right you mentioned the interim right the the pro-life newspaper in canada's been yeah. on for about 35 years 40 years and he goes all right throws a stack of interims from the 70s or from the 80s and 90s and says i want you to read everything and i'll talk to you next week about it <laughs> But that's, yeah, that's but the most the most the most important part was when I when he introduced himself to me it was at mass at St Michael's Cathedral and he approached me at the end of mass and said hi I'm interested in joining you oh dear and I I said <laughs> what who are you? what what's this all about so anyway he came to the office and that's how it started and he's been doing a fantastic job because you know what he he's like a sponge he soaks up everything and he remembers it. And then he puts uh, it into action. And that's Jim, what's important. Matt didn't read my book. So no, I don't believe he's like a sponge. <laughs> All right. Enough would, about me. Enough for, about me. I never forget this. No, but, but seriously, um, it for people like you, Matt, who I'd say have had the privilege to walk in the footsteps of Jim Hughes himself, um, I know that that you're you're so much closer to the greatness of the work that has been done in the pro-life movement even these days when we feel discouraged perhaps sometimes you can you can get a bit of inspiration from that but i, I think you wanted us to ask matt uh, jim about some of the great people he's already name dropped some of these great people so but I, I would like us to get a bit more into that would you would you want to ask jim well jim <clears throat> For those, for everyone listening, um, you did mention John Paul II, Saint John Paul II, yep. who you know who called, who, who reached out to to Campaign Life to you, and and he reached out to all these other pro life organizations around the world and said, "Hey, there's something really bad happening at the UN. They're trying to you know enshrine a universal right to abortion. They're trying to redefine the traditional family, and uh, we need the support from lay people. We need the support from pro life activists, and." And it, he wasn't the only one kind of uh, sounding the alarm. It was also uh, Mother Teresa, who was also seeing what was happening. So can you tell us a little bit about just who Saint, you know, Saint John, these wonderful saints were and, and why they were so influential in the pro-life movement internationally? I would say that John Paul the Great was uh, the, the type of person who inspired trust in in the church they, he inspired trust in the practice of people's faith in god he uh, 
took the 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 whole idea of loving God and loving your neighbor to the nth degree, hmm. and the people that uh, that hated him were people that, for instance, within the Catholic community, uh, people that uh, said they were opposed to abortion, but that we were sort of uh, the bottom feeders. This these pro-life organizations, and we don't want to dirty our hands uh, with getting involved with all of them. And we mm -hmm. saw that in so many different cases. But the fact was that uh, he was an in such an inspirational man, and we thank God for him every day. And other church leaders and other people of many denominations would say, well, uh, what's, what about your pope? What does he think about this? Wow. And I can remember when John Paul the Great died, I had calls from maybe a dozen um, pastors from various faith communities saying, who have you got in line to replace him? You must have somebody else that's, go that's good to replace him, don't you? And I said, well, I got nothing to do with it. But the reality is we just pray and hope that the Holy Spirit inspires uh, the other bishops to elect somebody just like him. And uh, the, the reality is, too, that uh, when, when John Paul asked for our help and uh, he accepted it, we, the, the communication with him didn't stop there. It went on in various ways over the years. Sorry, Jim, you, when, said, I'll stop you there. You said he asked for your help. Would that be in reference to the Cairo Conference of 1994 when there was that um, conference on population and development was that when he asked for the help it, it was before that it was perhaps oh. six six months before that right and uh he was concerned that these non-governmental organizations the ngos that were going to new york to uh, listen in and discuss and make uh, uh, give advice on various things that were coming up there were many of those who were not reflecting the pro-life positions of their own governments. Mm -hmm. In fact, one of one of the things that we did then was we had Jill Grandin, the former Canadian ambassador, acting ambassador in Haiti and whatnot, who was now running Campaign Quebec V in the province of Quebec. We had him visit several of the ambassadors in Ottawa, in our nation's capital, uh, and tell them what the NGOs were doing. So that the, a lot of them got slapped down as a result of that because those were not reflecting what their government's position was and all these things. With Mother mm -hmm. Teresa, it was a, a wonderful opportunity to meet with a, a saint. She was, uh, uh, well, when a co police constable David Packer in Toronto refused to guard the Morgenthaler abortuary because it was illegal, uh, he wasn't getting much support, so I contacted Father Lawrence Abello of the Jesuits, the late Father Lawrence Abello, and uh, he was he helped her with her speeches. And uh, I said, "Look at uh, David Packer needs some support." So she wrote about a four-page letter in her own handwriting, wow. and uh, it was sent to uh, to him in in Toronto at the time. Um, I was at mass in the morning with a Monsignor who said, oh, that, that police constable not, uh, uh, you know, going a, 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 along with the wishes, the orders of the chief. I said, well, Mother Teresa didn't think it was such a big deal to, for him to do that. And he said, oh, Mother Teresa, she would. I said, well, she wrote him a four-page letter. He went, what? <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Now all of a sudden you can't, can't say anything negative. <laughs> um, and then when when she came to Canada on another occasion, we were asked by a group of uh, evangelical pastors from the province of Quebec if we could help because they wanted to invite her to speak on Parliament Hill. And so we did. And uh, she agreed to come. And then they asked, you know, can you get somebody that uh, can accompany her? And I saw I had Gilles Grandin, a former diplomat, to accompany her. And uh, she said a couple of things. So she rested in our office at one point, and wow. she said she told she told the office staff, "I could rest here because you haven't wasted any money on creature comforts." Mm. I guess she meant the torn linoleum on the floor <laughs> and the, the chip cabinets that we had and whatnot. But um, on Parliament Hill, I was uh, I was pleased to join her along with a few other speakers. 
And she said to me, um, Mr. Hugh, I said, yes, mother. And I bent down to listen to her because she was, I don't know what she, she was uh, well, challenged in that way. <laughs> anyway, she said, uh, the beautiful thing about the pro-life movement is that it's ordinary people doing extraordinary things for God. Mm. And I thought, holy crow, you're absolutely right. Because I met all those people. I met them mm. in fishing villages in the east, and I met them out lumber camp. I met them everywhere. And they're all just solid. They're the, the, the backbone of Canada were all those different people reaching out and helping. One lady I could mention was a, a nurse, and she put a, an advertisement in the local business pages of the paper. It said, uh, a bo um, pregnant, need help? And they called Ida Venner. And that one nurse, that one person answering the phone to help the women, help them to choose life rather than death. Hmm. There were loads of people like that across the country that I met over the years. They were real heroes. Yeah. And, and when I would write a letter to a bishop, I would usually assign myself a, uh, a sinner and a coward because so many people who were so heroic that I've met. And when Linda Gibbons or Mary Wagner or Joe Borowski and others went mm. to jail, I wasn't in jail. I was still on the outside enjoying my freedom. But, but Jim, Jim, you brought attention to those people. You had your role to play as well. You created the space for the heroes to stand within. So we do appreciate you for that and your great humility for pointing out that you were not in jail, but you, somebody had to be on the outside creating awareness of the fact that pro-life people were being put in jail uh, well, and one, being persecuted. One newspaper person said, you know, you're more of a connector than anything else. I said, <laughs> sure. And she, and she said, well, somebody comes to you with a, a challenge or a problem or whatever, and you connect them with somebody else over there that comes has a solution to it. And I said, yeah. fine, I'm a connector. I'm a connector. I'm I'm an organizer. That's what I do. You are. And you are even my connector because obviously it is because of you somehow indirectly that I'm doing this podcast with Matt. I could have been doing it with somebody else, but it was through <laughs> you that I got to. I Actually, really got to yeah, be I, with uh, Campaign Life as a collaborator. It, in all in all truth, though, Jim, it, Uju asked like a dozen other people, but they all turned her down. So that's why she ended up coming <laughs> And then asking well, if I could do focus on life with her. Yes, go ahead, Jim. Matt, uh, Matt you told me that, that Uju was the last person that you could think of. Oh. You went through all this. With the <laughs> that's the reality. Oh. I know. Oh, so this, po this Polish Pope, I mean, he was just a terrific, uh, you know, an ambassador yes. for Almighty God is what he was. He was an ambassador mm. for God. And, and, you know, as part of the International Rights of Life Federation, Yes. Uh, one, one year we were in Warsaw and Krakow and Poland and we visited Auschwitz and we went to a the convent where Sister Faustina, St. Sister Faustina, uh, lived. And we heard the nuns chanting in the it was in the evening and we could hear them chanting. We talked to the nun, uh, an elderly nun who, along with John Paul the Great, when he was Carol Wojtyla, uh, worked for the canonization of Mother Fust, uh, Sister Faustina. Wow. It was amazing. amazing. You know, I wouldn't have done that if I'd been at home as a fundraiser, going to the ball games and all the sporting <laughs> events and whatnot and whatnot. But here I was, um, graced to be there. And uh, it was quite inspiring. Everything's been inspiring. I'm so inspired by just the ones that Mother Teresa talked about, ordinary people. Yes. Ordinary people have been extraordinary. Yes. <laughs> oh, my heavens. That's incredible. Uh, these Unbelievable. You know, yeah, these great. Yeah, Matt, go on. You know, Jim, it's just, uh, sorry, would you, but I just, just this one thought I have. You know, we talked about uh, on this podcast, you and I, Uju, we talk a lot about these multi-million dollar organizations, these massive yeah. agencies, these, you know, these such influential government officials and all these mm -hmm. people kind of pushing their agenda. And at the yeah. end of the day, you know, when Jim's talking about, you know, the ordinary people doing extraordinary things for God, it's 
at the end of the day, it will be the ordinary people. That is the that is the pro-life movement. It is ordinary so, people. And to think that you have these these extremely wealthy and powerful institutions. Yeah. Who, we're still holding the line. We are still yeah. holding the line. The pro-life movement right. is still holding the line, regardless of what is happening. And in yes. some cases, you know, and we're seeing this uh, happening in different parts of the world, there are pro-life governments being elected. Oh, uh, there's yes. legal protection for children in the womb being yes. instituted and legalized. Yes. So it is, it is, it is quite fascinating to kind of look look at this whole thing from a from this type of perspective. Perspective, of, that of is true. Ordinary just, people doing these extraordinary things. Yeah. I you guess know, well, you know, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Jim. Go ahead. When I was in, sitting in a coffee shop in uh, Washington with Bernie Nathanson, the former uh, abortionist. He with uh, Larry Later and and Betty Friedan started the abortion movement pretty well in the United States. Oh yeah, and but Matt, we talked about Betty Friedan last week about the feminist movement. But go ahead, this is I, I was going to raise Bernard Nathan. I'm glad you're talking about him. Go ahead, please. He um he he was quite a guy. <laughs> he uh, he wow. was sitting in the restaurant with a number of us, and she he he recounted the time when in New York City. He uh, was a very hot day, and this is how God moved him. He made mm -hmm. it really hot for him. So he went into to St. Patrick's Cathedral, figuring he could cool off a little bit in there. I bet you it's cool mm -hmm. in there. And he got into the back pew, and there was a service going on. A mass was being held at the time. And right. at one point in this, a young couple turned to him and said, The peace of Christ, Dr. Nathanson. And he said, they knew who I was and mm -hmm. what I did for a living. And here they were offering me this piece of Christ. Mm -hmm. And they, I, I got up quickly and left. I, I sort of stumbled out and went, what the heck? And then uh, later on, you know his story as he went from being an atheistic Jew and uh, pro-abortion, a leader who coined the phrases choice and all, yes. all kinds of things like that. Yes. Uh, to being an outstanding spokesman and speaking at various on, at various trials that we asked him to participate in. Yes. To the time when the the CHCH TV called me and said, "We'd like you to come on the program and debate with the Canadian abortionist, Dr. Henry Morgenthaler." And I said, "Okay." And then I thought about it, and I was inspired. I prayed about it. Mm -hmm. I always, if there, if a lot of them were coming into my office for a, an interview at the same time i would go over to saint michael's cathedral and and there i would pray before i would go and speak and uh it was uh, quite fascinating that with with bernie nathanson speaking all over these different places i thought i bet you he'd do a great job mm -hmm. on chch tv debating morgenthaler so i phoned him in new york and i said uh, here's the drill uh, our leading abortionist, he said, Morgenthaler. I said, yes, Morgenthaler <laughs> has been invited to debate me on TV. What about you coming in? I'll be glad to do it. So I called wow. the TV station and I said, I've got the uh, one of the premier abortionists in the world prepared to come. And oh, how can you get him? I said, I will get him. So we got him, flew him up, and he debated Morgenthaler on TV. And Morgenthaler was giving out stuff. And Bernie said, I invented that. I said that. It was, yeah. it was all nonsense. Oh, Matt we, Matt, we must post this video as part yes, of the show. We, because we have, I watched this interview. Great. We have this the video, last time I, we have this the video last on, our YouTube, on our YouTube channel. We have this video that we can um, We're gonna post it, post it in, the, in, the, I, in the show notes. Yeah, I've watched it so many times. And every time I watch it, I think of I think of you, Jim, because I think, wow, Bernard Nathanson is face to face with Morgan Teller, the abortionist in Canada. And this debate is incredible to watch. And I felt, Jim Hughes, I felt your fingerprints all over this. So I'm glad to hear the backstory of how well, this came I, to be. I, I hadn't washed my hands that day, so I could see my fingerprints. <laughs> yes, it's okay. But the reality is the last well, one of the last times I saw him in person. Um, we were in Montreal at a pro-life conference there and the media was all lined up to interview him and I walked past him up a ramp and he said, hey, Jim. I said, hi, Bernie, how are you doing? He says, I'm on the Borowski diet. Now, when, when Borowski went on this fast, uh, he lost a lot of weight. And so he had advice as to uh, 
how you could go on a diet and whatnot, but part of it involved a raw potato. And Bernie huh. said, I've used everything except the raw potato. So um, I won't tell you where the raw potato was supposed to go, but nevertheless, <laughs> it was uh, it was a riot. He was quite a character. And, and uh, what you're talking, was, what you're referring to here is the, the pro-life um, pioneer in Canada who had a fast for, for so many days, isn't it? Absolutely. Joe About abortion. Yeah. So to, for an end to abortion. So we've had great people doing great things. You also mentioned Jerome, Jerome Lejeune. It's interesting that you mentioned him because obviously, um, yeah, he's now passed away. And back in May, I had the privilege of speaking uh, on one of the panels at the invitation of Jerome Lejeune Foundation. So I had gone to Rome to speak on this panel on humanity and contraception and all whatnot and how it was you know what it meant to to the african countries so during that conference i must confess i didn't know much about jerome religion obviously we see him from afar those of us in the pro-life movement but i hadn't really gone into the details of his life his legacy his mission his re his great friendship with john paul ii which you alluded to that um he was john paul ii had worked with him closely to start these um a lot of things within the Vatican on on you know the defense of life and the sanctity of life so the fact that you also kind of mentioned in the past so I want to take you back to it that you were at an event where either he was giving a talk or he was giving a slideshow or something like that but I would like to hear about that because also again that means that you would have seen or met Jerome Lejeune the great Jerome Lejeune who also left a lot of great legacy for us within the pro-life movement. Well he had something in common with Bernie Nathanson because I picked up both of them at the airport on different occasions over different wow. years and both <laughs> of them both of them said to me Professor Lejeune, Lejeune said uh, could we close the windows and, and turn the air conditioning on? And I said, sure, but there's no air conditioning in the car. <laughs> so you have to take the wind blowing in. Then he said to me, do you have all the convents praying for the success of the this talk tonight? Mm -hmm. And I said, no, I'm afraid we have very few of them on our side that would do something like that. What? I can't believe that. We usually have how many people are coming to this tonight? I said, oh, 300. Oh, I don't usually speak to less than whatever, 800 or 1,000. I said, yeah, but you had the support of the, the nuns in those different areas. We yeah. don't have that same support here, unfortunately. Hmm. And uh, the stories are, yeah. And then he, uh, yeah, we, we taped him. We have uh, we have a tape of him uh, in hmm. the, the office, in our head office in Hamilton. And uh he was an inspiration too. He was just, and when we, when we invited him to join the various court cases, he, he was so articulate. Um, the, oh. the, the one at the Borowski trial where he, uh, he talks about the child in the womb being like uh, an astronaut and that being tied hmm. with the umbilical cord to the mother, same as wow. a, an astronaut is tied to the mother ship. And wow. We, we have, we have that somewhere and we have the, the, the books on it. It's very inspirational to every time you you read and listen and, and uh, take part in something like this. It's awe inspiring. It just it moves you to uh, uh, great humility. Wow. 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 Wow, Matt, what are you going to add to this? <laughs> like, this is great. I'm just sitting here and thinking, wow, Jerome Lejeune, Mother Teresa, Hoopton Paul II. Like, I wish I would have met even one of these people, Bernard Nathanson. Like, we read about these people and we are still up to today referring to them in our works and in our writings and, you know, and in our speeches. So, Jim, I think you are a man who is blessed and we are the ones who are blessed for still having you here with us because of course what most of those people have in common is that they have all passed away but you Jim you're still here for many many more years because you're still a strapping strapping young man <laughs> like it's like you haven't aged a day in the last nine ten years I met you so uh, no, um, my, uh, we're, I'm, we're I'm, blessed. I, I died several years ago Go. My wife is standing behind me, pulling on the cord, opening my mouth and closing it. And it's been, and Matt has pre-recorded this. That's right. 
But Jim, um, you know, you did, you did, you did also mention Morgenthaler, who was, uh, of course, uh, Canada's leading abortionist, mm-hmm. who, um, you know, his court case that went that led to the 1988 Morgenthaler decision, which essentially, uh, you know, kind of doubled down on the abortion demand situation in Canada that we've had in Canada since 1969. But with the 1988 decision. Uh, there was like no legal protection whatsoever. Uh, and then ever since then, you know, uh, nothing's happened because parliament hasn't had the political will to restore legal protection for children in the womb. Uh, however, Jim, um, you've had some engagements, some interactions with Henry Morgenthaler as well. And I think it's, and I know these stories, but just for the for those listening, I think it's really important for people to understand that Pro-lifers, uh, this is the we are in the Christmas season, or at least in the Advent season, preparing for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are people of love and peace and hope, uh, contrary to what the media will say. And I just want you to Jim, maybe talk to us a little bit about some of those interactions you had with Henry Morgenthaler uh, back in well, the I was abortionist. I was invited to go to uh, one of the television stations at the time. I probably have done two thousand interviews over the years. Oh. And uh, one day I, I I went to this uh, city TV, I think it was, um, maybe it was, an, anyway, whatever television station it was, and uh, uh, an old friend of mine who was, uh, had been at the same high school as I, Jim McKenney, who played for the hockey team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, he said, Hughesy, Morgan Toller's here, and he got, he's got security around him. <laughs> I said, mm-hmm. oh, why? And he said, I guess they're afraid that you might go and try to attack him or something. Well, I laughed like heck over that because that's the last thing, uh, you know, forget it. Henry Morgenthaler, for all the intents and purposes, was created by Almighty God in his own image and likeness, just like I was. Mm. So I, we, we moved on then to a, when I was at the back gate of the abortuary one day and he came to me and he said, you're wasting your time. I've aborted the mistress's of judges cabinet ministers and cops Hmm. and i said oh well you don't mind of course if we keep trying Hmm. and then uh, on my birthday a significant birthday one year um like 20 years ago i guess now uh we went to my favorite restaurant in downtown toronto at lunchtime and there sitting at a table uh, close to us was henry morgenthaler sitting by himself but the restaurant was crowded all the tables were taken and uh, after we had eaten, I, I nodded to him when I came in. He nodded to me. And he got up and came over and said, uh, I should know you. I said, yeah, Jim Hughes from Campaign Life Coalition. He says, oh, yeah. Did anyone ever tell you you do a good job on TV? Hmm. I said, well, maybe, maybe my mother, but that's about it. And he said, uh, yeah. And I introduced him to my seatmates, uh, Frank uh, Kennedy, who was a, a columnist in the interim newspaper and dick cochran who was the executive director of aid to women in downtown toronto and then i said how are you doing he said i got old man illnesses you know arthritis and stuff like that and whatnot anyway when he was getting ready to leave then he went towards the door and i called out so over the din of all the restaurant people uh, restaurateurs i said uh, henry and people looked back he looked back and said yeah i said don't forget and he smiled and I said, I'm still praying for you. Mm. And he said, thank you. And he left. And people at the adjacent tables ran over through three people, a pregnant woman and two others, and said, is that, was that who we think it was? Was that Henry Morgenthaler? I said, mm. yeah, it was. Are you a friend of his? And I said, no, not really. And they said, uh, oh, you're John Hughes, aren't you? And I said, no, it's Jim Hughes. Uh, and, and you're... Uh, are you, a, you're not a friend of his? And I said, no, we're on opposite sides on this. Oh, and, but he smiled when he was leaving. I said, yeah. Why was he smiling? I said, Henry, remember, I'm still praying for you. And he smiled and said, thank you. And for Catholics, March the 19th is a, an important day because we recognize the feast of uh, St. Joseph. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we would have a a novena to St. Joseph, praying to St. Joseph for nine days leading up to that date because it was Henry Morgenthaler's birthday. Wow. And uh, so, yeah, a lot of people get uptight about all that sort of stuff. They think that uh, 
that uh, they hope that he rots in the abortionist rot in hell. And of course, there's no place for that. We hope mm-hmm. that all people are uh, taken into heaven, that uh, that God judges them uh, not harshly because he could judge all of us too for our shortcomings and all this. Mm. Wow. Jen, you know, I think you, you're the one person that always talks about and brings people back to the really the root of the pro-life movement, which is prayer, uh, which is faith. Uh, and, you know, we talk about pro-life people being an Easter people, people of hope. But of mm-hmm. course, we're just a few weeks away from Christmas. And uh, Christmas is, uh, I would say, probably the pro-life event of the year, right? Where we are oh, celebrating yes. the birth of our of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, he didn't come down as a king with money in a palace. He was born in a stable. And um, and I think that's that's kind of the message of hope. That's the message of the pro-life movement, right? This is what we when when we fight the good fight. We know that we are doing this on behalf of uh, of God's children, all of his children, regardless of how they're born or what families are born into, how they were conceived. We're doing this because this is the right thing to do. My parents were Charlie Lunchpail and Mary Walker woman. When I gave a talk on Friday night, this past Friday night, to a group of scouts, about 60 scouts, I mm. said as an altar boy when I was 13 years of age, I saw in the church bulletin, a little thing that said, I waited patiently for somebody to do something. And then I realized I was somebody. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, my, my old friend, the late uh, Earl Amiot, great pro-lifer, warrior, he said, uh, you can't chase every cat up a tree. And as Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, change your heart so that you're doing what Jesus would have you do and then deal with what's at your feet. So I told them about the simple little things they could do. And uh, when people say would say to me, uh, the young people are our future, I said, no, no, they're our present. Mm-hmm. And so all sorts of people, like 15-year-old, uh, standing on Parliament Hill giving a talk, still, still active in the pro-life movement now years later. Um, we're all in this together as brothers and sisters, uh, and it's been a great, my heavens, what a great blessing it's been eh? so far. And i got much more to go, so let's well, just sure. keep at it until we, we continue to do God's work. Well, what about, you haven't had any successes. I said, our job is laid out pretty clearly. Go and do these things. Mm-hmm. And there's somebody else that's keeping a record of it all, not us. We're just yes. supposed to respond to the call. And that's what most pro-life people do. Thank God. Wow. Okay, Matt. We are not really called to be successful. We're just gonna go out and keep doing these podcasts, right? Like <laughs> faithfully, we will. We will just keep doing it. <laughs> just keep, keep doing it. Well, keep talking. They want us to be successful, except yes. that it's not up to us to judge whether yes. of, of what we've. I can that's still right. remember uh, somebody that had listened to a a radio interview that lasted for several hours and the guest, the pro-life guest was being clobbered. Hmm. Later on, uh, this person became known for some pro-life act that they did. And they said, "Uh, when did you get involved in this? And he said, I heard a pro-life person being clobbered on this particular radio show Hmm. and I decided that I should do something. So... Wow. It's all about all of that and so many other little things that were just uh, so many stories. Oh, Jim, these stories, we treasure them. We really, really treasure them. Well, honestly. When, 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 when I run out, I'm going to make up some so that you can stand by <laughs> for the next group. That's right. Okay, Jim. Well, thank wow. you. Thank you for being with us here today for Unfocused on Life podcast. Um, we could easily talk for hours and hours. I mean, I feel like we say this with every guest, but with Jim, I really mean it. For I really real. mean it. We we yeah, can really be real. here. You know, one of the one of the things that never I never had thought I'd experience was a, a phone call from the office of the Prime Minister of Canada saying we'd like you to be our special guest at the canonization of Brother Andre. Oh. 
And I said, sure. So I hung up and then they called again a couple of days later and said, no, seriously, uh, we want you, the prime minister wants you to be part of the Canadian delegation to the Vatican for the canonization of brother Andre. And I said, oh, um," and I hung up again. And then I told some people in the office about what had happened. They said, oh, why, why you should follow up on that. And I said, no, it's all, you know. Um, so politics. <laughs> well, it's all Bolshoi, like the Russian ballet, you know. And so, <laughs> and so then uh, somebody then called again and said, uh, you know, they've been calling you from the prime minister's office with an invitation and you haven't responded. So then I responded. And I was one of two people that were outside the government who had been invited to the canonization of Brother Andre in at the Vatican. It was quite an experience. Very mm. humbling again. Humbling. Of course. Yeah. And that was that hasn't been I think that was like 10 years ago when I, I remember clearly when Brother Andre um, was canonized, maybe 10, 12, 13, 14 years ago. It's not been that long. So. I don't know. I wasn't on a walker back then, so I can't tell you exactly when. <laughs> but for the record, that prime minister was not the current. It's not prime true, minister. though. That's <laughs> right. No, it's no, good no. you're saying that. So that was Harper. That was a uh, prime minister Harper's uh, um, administration. So, Jim, it's very obvious that you have been. Um, you know, a faithful servant of of God, but also a faithful servant within the pro-life movement. And we are grateful to you and we are grateful for you. And we are grateful for the opportunity to have you as our inspiration and guide and father in many ways. And well, you've already told me I'm not in your will, so but I'll still tell you, you are my father. <laughs> if I don't inherit anything from you, I inherit like a lot of these uh, lessons, which I find even more valuable than the money you could have given me in your will, which you haven't given me, which you haven't included me for, but, but really I value these more than anything. So um, we thank you for being on this show, for sharing just a little bit, even just a little bit of, of your stories with us. And this will inspire pro-lifers today who, of course, can only imagine some of the great places you've been and great people that you've met and the great things that you've gotten to do over time. So we're so thankful to you and, of course, for being on Focused on Life podcast. Um, this has really, I think, raised our level, Matt. This has raised us to the next, <laughs> to, the, <laughs> to the next level as a podcast. But, but yeah, thank you so much, Jim. And uh, God bless you. Uh, have a beautiful holy season with your family this season. And um, thank you so very much. God bless you. You keep up your good work. And Matt, the same thing. Yeah, and uh, Jim, I'll see you at the next staff meeting in a few days. <laughs> <laughs> okay, God bless. Take care. God bless. Thank Bye. you. Wow. <laughs> Matt, this has been, I'd say, this has been a roller coaster for me. I think it's it's been, uh, Jim, as I said, you know, when we're speaking to Jim, he's so full of years and so full of stories. And you know, this is what I myself, I don't know about others, but this is what I as a pro-life person and a pro-life activist I'm inspiring to is like, by the time I get to this great age, right? By the time I get to my 70s or whatever, I want to be able to look back at all the the things that we did, whether they were successful or not, small and big, um, and be able to tell these stories about how we have fought for life and that's what i guess that's what we did with jim today and he's still fighting for life so he's still this he's still doing stops. it he's still doing it every single day yeah. and you know what uju uh in like 30 40 years you're going to be a guest on the podcast and you can <laughs> and then you'll tell that host or those hosts i remember this guy matt Wojciechowski used to do oh. a podcast with him <laughs> Oh, it was such an amazing time, and he was such a holy man. Oh, and a excuse hero me, of the pro-life movement. <laughs> I'll just... say the Matt, Matt, who didn't read my book? He's like, <laughs> yeah, there was this guy, <laughs> Matt. But seriously, right. are we not privileged? I, I feel privileged, um, you know, to to know someone like Jim and still have someone like Jim because some days it, I do feel a little bit low when I look back to the to the history or the past of the pro-life movement and i think 
oh gosh, we need a Mother Teresa right now. You know, when something big happens, you need someone, someone huge, like, and it's not like they're huge as in their powerful government or anything like that, but is that their reputation is so bright that when they speak, like what Jean was saying, that even evangelicals are like, wow, what does your Pope think about it? Like someone so great that they then transcend, um, everything that they are known for, all the labels that you can put on them. And, you know, someone is like, if John Paul II says this, we're doing it. Whether it, the Muslims in Nigeria, back in the JP2 days, I'll tell you, Matt, they would say, well, the Pope has talked. Like, they respected that. And yeah. some days I want those days. You know, some days I want those people. I need them. So it's... um. It's incredible that that you we can think, wow, at some point these people were really at the at the core or part of our movement and part of this fight uh to 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 right. save life and 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 declare uh, you know the the justice in protecting babies even from from the womb that's right so and, and you know would you uh, before we wrap things up uh I, I just want to make this a short, uh, just, I guess, a short reflection. But I, yes. when when I train uh, young people who come to the United Nations for the various mm-hmm. conferences, for yes. the most time, you know, they have certain roles and tasks they have to fulfill during those weeks when they're at the UN. Sure. And when we give them the training session, I, I often talk to them about the beginnings of the international pro-life movement and why we're mm-hmm. here. Yes. And I often go back to John Paul II and his request yes. to uh, to pro-lifers to get involved. And mm-hmm. in a way, I, I keep telling them that our role here at this particular international event, when, yes. you know, wherever there, wherever there are people pushing for an abortion, universal yes. right to abortion, or whenever they're trying to redefine the family at these large international meetings, just remember that we are here because of John Paul II's legacy. He asked yes. us to be here. That's right. And even though you don't know him, because some of these kids, they, you know, they don't remember John Paul II the way you and Oh, I yeah. <laughs> He asked us to be here, you know, yeah. 20, 30, 40 years ago. And we're, That's doing, right. this, we're doing this job because uh, uh, the most pro-life Pope ever, who, who yes. loved the pro-life movement so much, yes. he yes. asked us to be here. So, yes. and I think that really resonates with a lot of these young kids who, who, who they want to do something meaningful. Yes. And I we mean, what's, what's more meaningful than to, to speak up for the voiceless, speak up for the most vulnerable and to defend the sanctity of life. I mean, that exactly. is, that's, that's the most meaningful thing one could ever do, which is to love your neighbor, like Jim yes. mentioned earlier in, yes. in our conversation. Oh, wow. We learned so much. I hope that the listeners actually uh, picked up on, on, uh, you know, at least some of the things that, that Jim is a talker, but at least yeah. some of the things. <laughs> Try working that... with him. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. but everything is gold. Everything is gold coming from him. I remember being at his, uh, at his home, having dinner with his family. So I, I have, you know, like I myself, I, I have some precious, uh, treasured memories of, of working with Jim, even though you have worked much closer with him. But even the times I've come to Canada, it has been great. Uh, because Jim, I think is the beginning of me even going to Canada and collaborating with your organization, Campaign Life Coalition. So I, I'm definitely grateful for him and to him. And I hope that the listeners will be, would have been inspired by some of the things that he has uh, talked about today. Uh, Matt, you know, we've come to the end of, uh, you know, focused, our journey with focused on life. <laughs> this, this year, this year. Okay. That's right. We have come to an end of we've come our, to the end. We, we can this call this season, we season can call one. this season one. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Season one, I think we'll conclude with this episode, episode 10. Yes. And uh, we're going to take some time off. I mean, we're not really taking time off, but I think time off from the podcast for the next few yeah. weeks. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to be back in the new year with uh, many more episodes. Oh, yes. Many more topics to discuss. Wonderful yes. guests. Yes. And um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the to 2024 and our podcast oh, so journey, our podcasting journey. Yes, so am I. I certainly, I certainly look forward to to more, you know, more great episodes and more great guests uh, coming on. So, 
Well, thank you, Matt, for 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 doing this and and for for working on this journey with me. I certainly am very grateful for you and for your family for making the space even and allowing you to to kind of uh, be able to work this journey. So your wonderful wife, your wonderful kids, who stay so good when we're because sometimes you're recording in your home. So that's right. That's right. We I often have I often have one of my kids is coming up here and I'm like muting the (laughs) microphone. What are you doing? You can't be here. But nonetheless, that's part Great. of the that's part of the job, I guess. That's it. Well, thank you, uh, so, dear listeners, and thank you for for supporting us through this up to this point. Yes, thank you to all of you again. If you have any comments or questions or feedback, please email us at focusonlifepodcast at gmail dot com, and uh, please share our website focusonlifepodcast.com. dot com. Share it with your family and friends over this Christmas season, holiday season. I listen to the episodes. We have 10 episodes now. I can't believe it. We actually have 10 episodes. <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah, subscribe, share with family and friends. And I think uh, from the both of us here at Focus on Life podcast, we wish you a very merry and blessed Christmas to you and all your loved ones. Yes, Merry Christmas, dear listeners. And God bless you. And through this season and even in the new year, Please continue to stay focused on life.